Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Adam Markell. He is a number one Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Los Angeles Times, and publisher, Publishers Weekly, best-selling author of Pivot, The Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career and Life. Now, Adam is a sought-after keynote speaker, MC, and workshop facilitator. Adam has reached tens of thousands worldwide with his message of resilience as the competitive edge in the face of today's complex markets. Adam's recently published workbook, The I Love My Life Challenge, was inspired by his viral TEDx talk about the power of the 10-second reset. The workbook includes tangible, repeatable prompts and exercises that readers like UBC Nation can use personally and professionally to center yourselves for better performance in the face of change. Adam is currently the CEO of More Love Media and host of the Conscious Pivot podcast, where he shares his insights on pivoting and resilience in today's fast-paced market and interviews experts, innovators, and influencers in the areas of business and life. You can find Adam at adammarkell.com. That's adammarkell.com. Adam, thank you for being on Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and share. Uh, just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, sure. Joseph, thank you for having me as a guest. Um, Gap. Well, should know that I'm a, I'm a daddy and a husband. Married my college sweetheart. Actually, we'll be married this summer, 32 years, which is mm. shocking. <laughs> and we have four, four amazing kids, four healthy kids. So, um, you know, to me, of everything that I could share with, with a, any, any group of people about myself, that's really the most important thing. It's just have, have learned so much through that, that relationship, through a long-standing relationship with my wife. And I know how hard that is. I mean, we... We know how difficult it is to stay in long, intimate relationships these days, anytime, really. Uh, So that's that's something I'd love for people to know at the outset about me. Thank you for sharing that. And not only is it difficult, BC Nation, to stay in long, intimate, committed relationships with other humans, but isn't it difficult to do that with God? When we don't understand him, when we feel he's miscommunicating, or we don't like his decisions in our life, or we feel he's not there, he didn't come home for dinner, so to speak. He's been gone a week or two, right? Think about that. You do that with your spouse, don't you? If you're married, you do that with your kids. You feel disconnected from them. Well, how's it going with God? Well, we, uh, we make up stories. We're great story creators. Uh, we make meaning. It's, it's what we do as human beings. We're meaning making machines. And so just like with a spouse or with a business partner or with fill in the blank, and you could fill in the blank and say with God easily um, that 
when we don't have everything working out according to our expectations, <laughs> we make up a story about what that means. It means somebody doesn't love me. It means somebody's rejected me. I've been abandoned. I've been uh, disrespected or ignored, whatever the, the case might be. And yes, it's easy to fall off the faith truck. I mean, I, I fall off that truck pretty regularly. Um, and, and I would say, um, it's interesting, you know, I'm just pointing out to myself as, a, as the words came out. Um, I fall off the faith truck much less frequently with my wife than I do with God. That's interesting. Mm. I'm just noticing that at this moment. That is interesting. She, she, she's really good at, <laughs> at, at, uh, at pointing me back to what I know to be true, which is that even though marriage isn't easy and relationships aren't easy, I, I really never uh, question her her um, unconditional love for me for too long. You know, we have a fight. I might get pissed. I might think, geez, I, after all these years, like, who are you? <laughs> but that really is just so quick to, yes. to dissipate. But with God, because God is, um, it's a lot of things. I mean, God is probably as many things to as many people as there are. You know, I don't know that everybody has the exact same feeling for what God is. And some people don't have a feeling for what God is at all, meaning they don't believe in what that word means or, or the organizing principle that might be behind it. Um, so I think that it's such a deep well, the show that you've got to discuss these kind of things. Um, and, and, uh, and I'm just, again, calling it out as a feeling it, um, that I truly believe in, in the presence of God, in the practice of the presence of God. That's how I make God real in my life by practicing. Um, and it's just like any other form of practice, I guess it, for me, I'll say this, I'm a swimmer. I'm a surfer. If I don't surf for a couple of weeks, if I don't get in the pool for a couple of weeks, it hurts to get back in the pool or it hurts to get back in the ocean. And it, it shows I'm not that good at it. I have to mm. get back in the swing. I, I'm sore. There's pain involved. And, and sometimes even at the beginning of getting back in, I almost don't want to because I, I know there's going to be pain associated with that re-entry. Mm. And so sometimes I just like, it's easier to not, to not go there. And, um, and to me anyway, God is a, is a practice. You have to, I have to bring it <clears throat> into my life each day, yeah. love or, you know, however you want to define it. And, and it, um, if I don't do that, if I'm not constantly vigilant about bringing it into my life each day, it becomes more painful, uh, to make, to make sense of things in real, in real time. I get that. Yeah, for sure. And the more uncomfortable something is, the more we avoid it. We don't want to go back to it, even if we know it was good for us. Right. So when you said you fall off the faith truck, I'm thinking to myself, shoot, I'm not sure I fall off the faith truck. I'm pretty sure my faith truck runs out of gas often. <laughs> and I'm, I feel like I'm on the back of it, pushing it. Right. And, and it's like, it's a struggle. It's a struggle sometimes. And BC nation, you probably feel that way right now or you felt that way before, or you're going to feel that way next week. Like it's just, this is the ups and downs of the faith journey or better way to say it of any relationship journey, whether it's relationships with humans or with God himself, there's ups and downs, there's highs and lows. The term I, I use in my coaching for some of my clients that they really have breakthrough in is we set these expectations. You said we're meaning making machines, Adam, right? And we set these expectations for ourselves that faith should always be on that constant high or in marriage, right? With your wife, the romantic stage of love, right? Uh, year one, two, and three, and then it wears off and you're like, something's wrong. Something's wrong with her. Where did she go? She didn't go anywhere. You're moving into the maturing stage of love, right? Which is learning to, to 
accept someone for their flaws, their character defects, et cetera. And then you move into the, you continue to mature into selfless love, right? Laying down your own life for that person that you absolutely love. And so Jesus or God talks, teaches us that through coming here and, and showing us what that end goal of love looks like or relationship looks like. Just the laying down of self and selfish desires, your little control freak, so to speak. So speak to us about, because you're known as the, I love my life guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And listen, former, this, former lawyer turned, I love my life guy. That's yeah. I love it. Right. It's, that's I my just, career path. Yeah. I, I could just picture you with a surfboard. Like, I love my life. Let's go. Right. And former lawyer. It's fantastic. So speak to us about that. Where is there the breakdown that you see for most people, many people um, where you can look from the outside in and say, wow, do they love their life or is something missing? Like, what do you see as the commonality? What's the common missing piece to the puzzle of having a beautiful life that you love? Mm. Well, it's, it's conditionality. That's what I've seen in my own experience and, and with lots and lots of people. And by that, I mean, um, I've been blessed to speak to hundreds of thousands of people over the last 12 years since I pivoted. I wrote a book called Pivot, and it was all about this reinvention process of being a miserable, miserable lawyer, um, you know, successful lawyer, wealthy lawyer, all that, helping a lot of people lawyer, um, but miserable just because it, it really wasn't who I was. I, it's who I was for a period of time because getting a family started and providing for them was the priority at the time. But ultimately I, I move out of that space and, and develop something um, to develop a different side of myself, a part of myself that had me um, becoming more aware of things like, for example, my own self-judgment, my own tendency to be, to withhold love from myself, to make mm -hmm. loving myself conditional on whatever it was that was a goal of mine or doing well at whatever it is that I was involved in. I was just constantly holding the carrot just a little further in front of me than I could ever you know, get uh, to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, a lot of people who are achievers or want to be achievers. This is, a, this is a thing that you see as you asked me, you know, what's this common denominator? The common thread I've seen in very high achieving people, as well as those that want to be, is that they, they're constantly creating these conditions around their self, their self-acceptance around their self-love. And because of that, that's how they are with other people. Could you if, give us an example or two? Yeah. I mean, to me, we, we can't give anything that we don't have this. It's impossible. It's inauthentic. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's just uh, impossible to give something to someone else that you don't possess. That makes sense. And in spiritual terms, um, if you don't possess something, if you don't possess peace of mind, it's, it's difficult to, be, be a source of peace for anyone else. If you don't possess self-love, you can't give, or, or I should say unconditional love for self, you can't give unconditional love to someone else. So I found that what I was seeing in, in my behavior toward others, I was unforgiving. I was an attorney now, and I'm not driving lawyers into the ground when I say this, but it's an adversarial profession in many ways. And I was a litigation attorney on top of that. So I was sort of a paid you know, warrior to get in the ring and fight for my clients. I was constantly fighting. I was constantly looking for ways to, you know, knock a guy down, knock, knock, knock my adversary down to get what I wanted. Um, and, it, and it actually was fueling a part of myself that was pretty dark. You know, the shadow part of me is uh, I'm a bit of a barbarian. I, I never mm -hmm. said that 
before publicly or in a show or anything like that. An old college buddy of mine said that to me and I've never, never really forgotten it. There's a part of me that is sort of in the, in that sense, I could, I could put myself back in a prehistoric time where you have to take a club and, and knock another, you know, to, to knock out a dinosaur or an adversary to keep, you know, evolving the species. And there's an aspect of me that when I was a lawyer, that part of me was, was on full display. Mm. And I, which would have been fine, I suppose, but you and I said this before the show actually began. I, I felt like I was on a path to hitting a, hitting a wall that I might not ever be able to come back from. And, and by that, I mean, I was in my late thirties. I was starting my day, putting my feet on the floor. And before the day even got going, I was already worked up. I already had this angst, this uh, anxiety even happening for me. And of course, as soon as I got into my, my garb, my professional garb, whether it's to be in court or to be on, you know, doing something else, I just, I, I, every, every part of that vulnerability just disappeared. And, and it's slowly day by day, each day I'd put my feet on the floor, I'd feel this anxiety or this angst or this thing that later on I, I described as just sort of the shrinking of my soul, the mm. disappearing of who I really am, which is not a hard edged person. I'm very much not that way. I love people. I love to hug people. I love to help people. Yeah. Can I be a, a prick? Yeah, I can. And can I be tough? Absolutely. But to, to get up every morning and know that what I have to be in the world today is something that's so antithetical to who I want to be and who I know myself to be, which is an open heart that I just couldn't abide it any longer. I ended up in the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack, turned out to be a panic attack, an anxiety attack. Instead of being at my son's baseball game on a Saturday, I was lying on a gurney thinking I was going to die. That was a pivotal moment for me. And I was just like, I can't go back. What shifted specifically in that moment that changed your behaviors and what behaviors did you change? Nothing shifted. The answer is nothing shifted permanently in that moment. I, I got a this like a slap in the face, you know, I felt like the God spirit, the divine gave me an opportunity to, to pause. It was a pause moment. And I remember leaving the hospital with my wife that day, looking up at the sky and I said, thank you, God. And, and I want to be clear to everybody. I didn't say that before that. I didn't, those were not my words. I wasn't a spiritual person, certainly not a religious person. And I looked up and I felt like I'd been given a reprieve, a second chance. But of course like a lot of us, I didn't, I went back a couple of days, weeks later, I went back to my normal way of being, which is to be a workaholic, to just run over anything in my way. I was built that, you know, at least at that point I was built that way. Um, and then six months later or so I, I come in the house late at night. I'd worked all day. I'd missed the opportunity to have dinner with my kids. I missed the opportunity to put them to bed, read them a bedtime story. And I walked right up to my wife and I looked her in the eye and I took a moment and <laughs> Like it was yesterday, I remember this. I could say to her, I said to her, if I keep doing what I'm doing, you're going to be a widow. And that was another pause. That was another pause moment. And she looked back at me and she took a breath and smiled and she said, we'll figure it out. She didn't remind me, you know, hey, we got a lot of bills to pay. You know, brand new house, cars, kids, four kids, two dogs, a gerbil, (laughs) you know, a lot of life to take care of. Um, She just said, we'll figure it out it out. And ultimately I started to make some small changes so that instead of having a midlife crisis, we were able together to plan a midlife calling. 
And that's ultimately ultimately what led to the writing of the book Pivot. It was what led to this new book called The I Love My Life Challenge. It's just sort of evolving path of moving, moving into the uncertain, mm. which is the worst thing in the world to, to human beings, to the homo sapiens. We don't want to move into the unknown. The unknown is where the the, the you know the the tiger is. It's where all of our fears, our worst, most diseased aspects of our fear-based thinking reside in the dark, in the unknown. And my journey was to, to move forward in that direction. Um, and I got a little, I got a lot. I wouldn't even say I got a lot of help. Help was, is, is the only thing that has taken me this far. The, the assistance of the universe, of God, of other people, when I've been honest and vulnerable enough to ask for help, which is so difficult for me. And I know it's difficult for a lot of people just to let people know, hey, I'd love to get your guidance here. What, whatever that help might actually look like instead of keeping it so close to our vest, like we can't let anybody know that we don't know. Everybody's so freaking certain about everything and it's BS. Well said. That's why the show is called Broken Catholic because we're all broken little Catholics, aren't we? We are Catholic, lowcase C, right? Universal church, we're all just broken. We're God's broken little children. That's why we need him. We don't have it all figured out. BC Nation, look at your own life. Seriously, look at it for a second. There is an area of your life that's not working. True or true? What is it? What's that area that's not working? That you're constantly trying to fix on your own. You're trying to control. There's a reason it's still not working. So Adam is sharing with us very graciously and authentically and transparently where he followed what the world told him would make him happy. Success, money, power. He got it. He ended up on a gurney thinking he was having a heart attack and had the forethought to see that he was going to make his wife, who he loved, a widow. Some of you listening right now are in that place. You're right there. I believe, Adam, that God gave you a moment of choice to choose to continue in what wasn't working for you and was killing you literally or killing your soul, but inflating your egoic self, the false self that you spoke of, what the world says, go, go, get more, 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 feed it, feed the bad wolf. But on the inside, you were dying to who you really were as a child of God. Someone who is made from love, made to love and made to receive love. And that's who you really are, right? Like you said that you're like, dude, I love people like, but I wasn't showing up that way. I was showing up with my profession in a way to attack people, to hurt people, to ruin people for my clients. And I got paid handsomely for that. So sorry, uh, BC nation. I just want to like really leverage what Adam is saying in this story right now into your story. Cause you have a story and you get a choice on how that next chapter looks. What are you going to write? So Adam, let's go back here for a second. I'd like to bring God into this conversation just a little more with your permission. Gladly. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was thinking to myself, well, God's in this conversation, whether you like it or not. <laughs> that's right. That's yes. right. Yeah. Can I ask a provocative question with your permission? You can ask anything. Yeah. Thanks, brother. All right. First off, you're a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker, right? We got thick skin, right? That's how we were hey, trained. Okay. So, hey, how you doing? All right. So... You speak of God as a form of energy, 
a thing and it, and I'm not knocking your language. Please don't take me that way. The universe, love that flows within all of us, etc. In the Judeo-Christian, and you've read the Bible front and back multiple times. You've told me this earlier. So, you know, the Judeo-Christian presentation of God, how he revealed himself to man is he revealed himself with a personhood, right? Not just an inanimate, inanimate energy or force or substance or, or being, but a personhood as a father. You're a father. I'm a father. What has, if anything, has been missing possibly in your relationship with the person of God versus the concept of God. Hmm. Well, I, I want to add to, um, and I want to find my way into the answer because I Go want for to it. sit with it for a moment, but I'll say this. The, the way I would describe what God is to me is a presence. And so practicing, as we were saying earlier, to become masterful at anything, pick anything at all that you want to be really great at, you have to practice it. And then ultimately perform it. And in this, um, the practice is the presence of God. That's, that's what I've been led and, and now adopt as my own belief system around it. And so to recognize the presence of spirit, the presence of God in everything and in everyone is, is the journey. It's the, it's the path. Because when I'm looking at things that bother me or trigger me or get my, you know, get my old anger, mm. uh, you know, rekindled. I, I know that it's in that moment that I'm angry. I'm not denying my right to feel what I feel, but at the same time, I also know I'm, I'm in that moment separated from truth. I'm, I'm, there's a Delta between my feeling angry at a person and the fact that I'm not actually seeing that person for who they truly are. Could we they, say it's almost like going to your lower self versus your higher self? There's so many ways to say it. There's so many ways. So for sure, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, it, it's it's just that it's like another of the riddles. It's another great part of the mystery and the riddle of, of humanity. If this was easy to figure out, well, I mean, the world would have figured it out. Humans would have figured it out long, long ago. And we wouldn't have wars and and such a huge differentiation between how people are doing in the world, right? Mm. As, as former New Yorkers, we used to say that a lot. Like that's the greeting of a New Yorker to another one. You know, how you doing? And, and you can go back and forth. I used to play with our audiences sometimes and sometimes still do this, but you know, it's like that question, how you doing? And you back and forth, how you doing? Nobody, nobody really cares. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a, it's a question that you don't expect an answer to yes. because if people were being honest, when they asked that question, how you doing? Be like, Hey, not so great, man. Yeah. I mean, I was great. I was felt great yesterday, but I woke up today and, and all of a sudden I'm like out of air. I'm out of energy. I, I feel lost and confused. Yesterday I felt okay, but today I feel lost and confused. Like who's gonna, like nobody's talking about that with each other. Certainly not when you pass each other on the street or, you know, two seconds to connect and you go, hey, how you doing? Oh, good, how you doing? I mean, there's not a lot of transparency and a lot of what's real in that, in that communication. So um, just to tie back to what you, you said earlier, um, the, the, I think the, the journey for all of us is to be still reminded, to be reminded as frequently as possible the truth, the truth of, of our nature mm. and to be able to see the connection and the brotherhood and the sisterhood. You know, you, you mentioned our father, right? There's the, the it's, 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 um, 
in those, family. Words, those yeah. two words alone, it sums up the entire, uh, an entire religion in those two words, right? Because we have a loving father and that makes us brothers and sisters, all of that, of, of a loving father, a forgiving father. Um, but we're so unforgiving to each other. We're so unforgiving of ourselves. So we're constantly living in contradiction to mm. truth and that causes pain. And so people are in pain all over the place. And I am in pain, not as frequently or as, as, uh, uh, um, as intensely as I once was, but I still feel it. And, and it, it, on some level, it's, it sucks more and more to feel it now than it did then, because then I was confused and unaware of what the source of my pain was. And now I re I'm reminded of what it is. And then I go, ah, I know better. And yet I'm still, I'm still doing that thing. And that's, that's tough. So good. BC Nation, we're speaking with Adam Markell. You can find him at adammarkell.com. And he is opening his heart to us today. He's sharing his hurts, his wounds, his brokenness, his imperfections, right? We're all wanting to be little perfect per performers. Yet we all fall short of the mark and then beat the crap out of ourselves on a daily basis, don't we? Like... Yes, God calls us to be perfect, but it's not the way you think, BC Nation. He doesn't call you to be perfect on your own. That's what's causing all your frustration, all your disappointments. What he calls you to is a perfect surrender to him so that he can show up perfectly in you, through you, in the lives of others. That's what it means to be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. Mark, what do you, th uh, sorry, Adam, what do you think about that? I agree with you. <laughs> short, short answer. I mean, um, we are manifestation and, and there's a source of that manifestation, meaning we manifest the will of the universe in our, in our presence each and every day. We are constantly manifesting the cause. So it's cause and effect. And in that sense, um, not to dilute the words, because I know your, your listenership, your, your, your folks, some people are believers and use the word God and some people are not, and they call BS on that, or they are not prepared to, to use that terminology. So to me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not attached. I don't mind personally using the word God. It's the word that means what, what I need it to mean for me. Um, but I can also look at it as a cause and effect relationship that God is the cause and, and people and, and all things in the, in, in this universe that are animated um, and maybe even those that aren't, and that's another, another leap of, of, <laughs> of understanding. And I'm not prepared to make at the moment, but yes. that, you know, that, that that's effect, that that's the, that's the, the out picturing. Yes. That's well, the bloom on the rose and not just, and not the seed. So, you know, I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like short answer, long answer, back to short answer. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, okay. Adam, what have we not covered that you would love to just bring to my audience today um, to speak into their hurts, their pain, as you said, that we're all sitting in some form of pain. Um, we need a savior. We're not him. Um, what do you want to say to them specifically, just from your own walk, your own journey, uh, maybe share your top three tips or, or strategies that have uh, really helped you to find peace in areas where uh, you, you couldn't, you were depressed, you were high anxiety. What has worked for you? What can you share with my listener today? Sure. Um, oh, I want to use the first you said that people are um, 
you need need rescue. And I was a lifeguard. I mentioned this to you earlier as well, that uh, I was a lifeguard at Jones Beach, the South Shore of Long Island. All right. Long Island. There you go. And we would get 100,000 plus people on the beach on Saturday or Sunday in the middle of July or in August. And, and we made a lot of rescues. And I am a keynote speaker. I, I speak to business audiences primarily all over the globe. And I usually start my talks with a story of us losing someone at the beach, of a rescue that we, we weren't able to make and, mm. and couldn't save somebody. And, and so the answer to your question to me is that we must save ourselves. And that doesn't mean that we we are alone in the process, but but we have to we have to take personal responsibility for our lives at every at every level. Um, just because I believe in God doesn't mean that I re- I surrender my personal responsibility to live the best way I know how. I agree and, with you on that. Again, these are these are really important fine distinctions. They're fine points. Yeah. So yes, I am surrender, and I would surrender in a, in a heartbeat. And yet at the same time, surrender does not mean abdication to me. It does not mean resignation to me. It does not, it never freaking means quitting. So this is about figuring it out and being well, willing to fail my way forward if, if that's what's required to figure it out. So, and we're all doing that, stumbling in the dark, you know, knocking our, our, our knees and our, our other limbs against these sharp objects that cause us pain. And we have to continue to just take responsibility for all of that and continue to move forward. It's for me, the conversation around resilience, and I want to close a loop in in just a second about about something I said earlier. The conversation about resilience is not about bouncing back. I'm not a bounce back guy. I'm a bounce forward person. I I believe that that's ultimately what all all of our challenges, anything that challenges us physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually, is is a catalyst for growth. It's a catalyst for growth. It's not a catalyst for the stag for stagnation. It's not a catalyst for mediocrity or for status quo. So it's important to know that as we're going through things, the purpose of them isn't simply to survive. The purpose of those things is for us to actually move forward, to actually thrive in a way that we didn't know before, that we only get to know because we've passed through that threshold. So earlier I said I used to start my day, put my feet on the floor and, and feel that anxiety. And Becoming aware and starting down a different path, um, I, I, I started to do something, a simple thing at the very beginning, a waking ritual that I want to share with, with your folks. And that it comes from watching this old movie, Jerry Maguire, late one night when I had trouble falling asleep. And I'm watching this movie. And it's such a great movie for so many different reasons. But there's a point in the movie where Jerry's mentor, a guy they call Dickie Fox, says something along the lines of, in all honesty, I've failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my life and I love my wife and I wish you my kind of success. And I remember watching that movie one night with my insomnia and thinking to myself, you know what? That's what I want to feel. I want to wake up in the morning and know that I love my life no matter what. And I couldn't at that moment, but I decided even still I was going to take that first step. And that morning that I got up, I put my feet on the floor and instead of feeling what was going to go on that day and all that rush of emotion, I put my feet on the floor, I paused and I thought of something in the moment that I was grateful for. Like the woman that I I married is lying in the bed next to me and my kids. And that was easy. I felt grateful. And then I put my feet on the floor and I said, I love my life. I love my life. And I'll tell you something. There was no lightning strike. There was no burning bush. There was nothing, you know, that, that in the moment 
changed the, the, the trajectory of my life. And yet my life changed in that moment and has continued to evolve and change for the better ever since. And for the better part of 12 years, I put my feet on the floor in the morning and that is my waking ritual. And we wrote a workbook about it to help people to just start to move in the direction of loving yours, like your life, not, not someone else's life, somebody that you think has got it better than you, whoever, pick anybody on social media or wherever it is that you find role models in life, you know, to love yours. Because until we can love our own life, we'll never be happy. And until we learn to love our own life, I don't think we truly honor God either. Hmm. Powerful. BC Nation, Adam is challenging us. He's challenging you to wake up tomorrow. As your feet hit the floor, look to the people God has given you in your life who love you. How do you know? Because they spend time with you and put up with your crap. <laughs> That's how we know. Be grateful for them. Even though they fall short, so do you. Be grateful. And then say out loud, I love my life. I love my life. I love my life. Say it three times out loud. I believe, Adam, that we, because we are adopted sons and daughters of the creator of the universe, he breathed life into us, cause and effect, like you said, that we can co-create with him something out of nothing, the same way he did, and he did it through the spoken word. The Bible says the spoken word is the word of God which is Jesus. We, we come to know Jesus, right? But we can speak, I love my life out loud and attract a life that we love over time if we do it repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So BC Nation, I agree with Adam and we're not talking about just, you know, law of attraction and, and some of these other uh, worldly wisdoms. Though these laws are in effect in a very real way because God ordained them to be. So I just encourage you, do not leave God out of the conversation. Self-help is important when you come from brokenness and uh, dysfunction, maybe like I did. I did a lot of self-help, but it sure didn't get me to where I am now. It came, I came short of the finish line. If you want to get to the finish line, to a life of peace, a life of possibility, then I encourage you to surrender, as Adam, as Adam was saying, to surrender your control, not your responsibility. Okay. You must take responsibility, but you must control, uh, surrender your control to God. That means surrender all outcomes and results to him. And then ask him to show you what to do next. I got See a great the, quote. Can I, got can I interject Please. something? Uh, and I just was looking for it because it's in a, in a wonderful book called around the year with Emmett Fox. And this is on the 25th of December, which is a significant day for many, many people in the world. This is in part what it says. This is just the, the quote from Isaiah that's used to anchor the principle for this particular day. It says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, Boom. but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. I, I use this quote for myself as a public speaker. When we work with other speakers and train speakers, we use this quote not again for religious principle or dogma or any of that stuff, but to point to the fact that our words have meaning, that when we recognize the, the power of our words, that we go, it's like an arrow, it goes where you aim it, it lands where you, where you, where you intend it to land, that it makes your words so 
powerful, so meaningful, so usable, so tangible that for us in, in this, in the, in this genre, it, it, it creates a, a different grounding or a, grif- a different foundation for the words that, that you say. And those words, I love my life. They, they speak a blessing over your life. They're a prayer. They're, they're so, as an intention, could you get a more powerful intention than to love your life? Well, at the beginning, the middle and the end of the day, what, what else is there? But to, to, to love the life that you've been given, how could you possibly be grateful or express your gratitude to your creator any more powerfully than to love the life you've been given no matter what. No matter what BC nation, you can have hardship and still love your life. You don't have to love all the things in your life that are happening, the situations, but you can love being alive. The life that God gave you and man, Adam, that was brilliant. What you just said, right? It's a blessing. You're speaking a blessing and a prayer of thanksgiving to your creator when you say, I love my life out loud. Like, thank you, God, that I'm here. I exist. I have a choice. Thank you. Like, powerful. All right, Adam, we got to wrap up the show, man. We went over a little bit here, but BC Nation, I hope you pulled some great value from Adam Markell. Adam, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the, the confession round. I'm going, I, I thought you might like that. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Sure, go. What's your favorite thing about God? Love. What's your least favorite thing about God? Humility. What are you most afraid of? The unknown. Got it. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? Anger. Got it. What did you spend way too much time doing in the past year? Hmm. Looking backwards. Hmm. What secret fear do you have about people? That they'll reject me. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Forgiveness. What's a new habit you want to create? Unconditionality. What's a bad habit you want to break? Conditionality. (laughs) Pick three words to describe who you are now. I am love. Pick three words to describe who you were before you got broken on that day on the Gertie. I am man. And last question. If you could come back to life after you died, Adam and look your wife, your kids, the people you love most in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything. What would you say to them? Follow your heart, follow your heart. And for all you Christians out there, Jesus Where does he say he lives in the head of man or in the heart of man? If you're not feeling love in your life, it's because you're living in your head, not your heart. Any final wisdom, Adam? What is the one thing you want my listener to know about having a real relationship with God versus not? Practice. Practice. Yeah. With practice, everything gets better. What is the best way for BC Nation? I want to amend that to just say practice and performance. You have to perform it. We talk about resilience a lot these days. We talk about you have to you have to perform resilience now before you need it. You have to yes. develop it before you need it. And that's a you got to perform it. You can't just think about it. You have to you have to do it. 
I agree. What's the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you? You got an awesome workbook. You got some really cool things you're up to in the world. What do you got for them? Well, folks that want to have us uh, either find out more about our work or want to subscribe to our podcast or even book us to speak, you can go to adammarkell.com. It's all there. You can find out about the book Pivot. You can find out about the I Love My Life Challenge. The site is pretty easy to navigate, adammarkell.com. We'll take you there. Adam, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, Joseph. What a pleasure. BC Nation, did you know that depression is spreading 100 times faster than COVID right now? and suicide rates are higher than ever? Listen, God's healing power is available to all his children, but no one is teaching people how to access it. But I am. Broken Catholic is now giving talks across the country and across the world. My message is the freedom that Protestants and Catholics have been waiting for. If you want me to come speak to your Christian community in person or via Zoom, visit brokencatholic.net to learn more. That's brokencatholic.net.